Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wastebasket Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Johnson, and with me this week is... Is Jordan. What do you mean this week? You mean always. I'm I'm looking for a replacement. I'm looking for a replacement. <laughs> uh, given the, uh, the time span, you have been doing this quote-unquote work thing. Did you not see that... We got we got our stimulus, man. You don't have to work ever again. Oh, nice, nice. Finally, yeah. Because we're gonna get uh, those Biden bucks. Biden bucks, baby. That's what I'm waiting on. Get my Mac M1. Lap- Is that what I'm getting? Yep. MacBook Air. Yeah. M1 MacBook um, Air. <laughs> though I thought I'd have a little bit left over, but since the Democrats can only like argue against themselves and and keep lowering stuff, like I mean, I'll be happy to get out with a few bucks. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about. This is the Wastebasket Deep Dive, Sean Connery, Part 3. Yep. Russia House. Russia House. The third and final part of our Sean Connery Deep Dive. Yeah. I actually, you know, maybe it's not the final. Like, I I feel like I've discovered a lot of movies I didn't know he was in that, you know, maybe in a year or two we (laughs) visit those. Since kind of uh, just to reiterate the idea behind this Deep Dive series is to look at either things that we're not familiar with or maybe things of more famous people that the general public might not be familiar with. Right? Isn't that the purpose? Or is it just to hear ourselves talk? I forget. Yeah. A yeah. little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. What I'm going to do is just do like a little run through of uh, the remainder of uh, Mr. Connery's career. As we all know, he did pass away last year, I believe. I should yeah. have researched that, but yes, it was last year. It was late last year. Yeah. Late last year, yeah at his home in the Bahamas, which is where he retired to, which is, I think, kind of commendable. Like, not like a Daniel Day-Lewis, though. You know, I mean, he's retiring pretty early, but he's also had quite the record. But, you know, there's some actors that just kind of keep going until they kick it on set or something. So I kind of like people that retire when they should. Uh, cough, Diane Feinstein, cough. <laughs> um, all right, no more politics. Yeah. All you're right, you're so, obsessed. I'm obsessed. It's been a week. Um, also, I do want to apologize for background noise in the Man Who Would Be King podcast. Um, there was some, you know, we're not recording in our multi-million dollar studio because <laughs> we don't have that. I think there's a plane flying over now. Whatever. So, as you know, there's going to be background noise. But, uh, you know, anybody that wants to sponsor us, like, say, Bezos, who earns $150,000 a minute, you know, if you could give away <laughs> two to three minutes worth of money, we'd, we'd be happy to uh, have Ever a work again? I mean, yes. Yes, yes. Get a better recording studio. Get a better recording studio. Yeah, but better setup. So, uh, so this episode is um, not brought to you by Amazon, but it could be Amazon they do a lot of stuff yeah right aws sponsor us yeah uh what i'm going to do now is just kind of run through we our last episode was man who would be king 1975 this is the russia house 1990 in between uh mr connery was very busy in 75 chris feel free to like jump in if there's anything that you want to add of course sure in 75, he did Robin and Marion with Audrey Hepburn, uh, mm. which I wasn't aware of. A Bridge Too Far, which was a big war epic. I feel like I've seen it. Um, and this is not all in 75. This is between 75 and 90. Bridge Too Far, big war epic. First Great Train Robbery, which I remember reading about in Michael Crichton's memoirs. He uh, Most people know him as like, you know, the author of Jurassic Park, but he actually directed a few movies. I didn't, I had forgotten or didn't know that he had directed the original Westworld movie. Did you know mm-hmm. that? No. I mean, I knew yeah. there was a Michael Crichton story. Right. I didn't know he directed it. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and then this movie, The First Great Train Robbery, his, uh, and, and of course, we can't forget that Crichton was a executive producer of ER, so that dude knew how to uh, also make money. Um, Time Bandits, Terry Gilliam directing that. Um, I have not seen that. I hear it's a really good movie. And then the last Bond movie that, uh, that Connery was in, Never Say Never Again. Um, I don't quite remember the story. Chris, are you familiar with yeah yeah okay it's um it's basically a remake of an earlier bond movie that he was in oh okay 
And and you had said in Men Who Would Be King or something like or around that that like they kind of forced his hand like he, or he he just said like if we do if you let me do these other movies I'll come back for Bond is that is that right? Uh, I think maybe you said that because I don't I don't okay. remember the story around that anymore. Well, you not, you seemed much they, more of the Bond. I mean, I like all the Bond movies, but you seemed a little bit more informed at the time. Yeah, well, I know that they they drove a dump truck full of money up right. to his house, and yeah, like, that's yeah. probably how he got the house in Bahamas. Yeah, besides some of these other ones. <laughs> so the next one we had already talked about this uh, Highlander. Where just to reemphasize, Chris, he was not the Highlander. Mm. He was Juan Sanchez via Lobos Ramirez. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, the next one was the name of the rose, based on the Umberto Eco novel. The meaning to read, I hear, is really good, and I hear the movie's good. Uh, where he was with uh, Christian Slater, mm. who was a monk. Do you remember Christian Slater? Of, of course. Who could forget? I know. Well, I mean, he's he's kind of had a resurgence too with the uh, Mr. Robot show and and some other stuff, right? So yeah. And then uh, Connery got an Academy Award for supporting actor for this next movie, The Untouchables. Chris, I forget. Did, do you you like that movie? I, f- I feel like we've talked about this before. So De Palma, Kevin. Yeah, Costner. no, I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. And Neo Morricone. You know, I gotta get my my soundtrack references in there. That's right. That's right. yeah, and we'll have soundtrack references for uh, Russia House as well. Yeah. And then movie that I loved, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where he plays Indiana Jones's father. I thought he and Harrison Ford had great chemistry. Uh, the same year that this came out, The Hunt for Red October, um, mm. classic movie, right? Can, can, yeah. Can we yeah. can we step back to the the James Bond thing? Because I did some. Uh, no, uh, no, we can't. Some no, quick can't. Uh, research. This uh, is live. Some. Yeah, let's step back. So, right. Never Say Never Again was based on Thunderball, mm. which he had already starred in, you know, 15 yeah. years prior or whatever. Yeah. And it was not produced by the same production company that normally did all of the James Bond movies. But this. What, like, the, the Broccoli's? Yeah, the Eon Productions. Right. Yes, but and so this, this other company had the rights to that one particular story. So, they're like, well why don't we just hire Sean Connery to do this again? <laughs> and so it's really weird. Cause it's the same. It's like literally the same story just with like different actors playing all of the, you know, the uh, like bad guys and like side characters. Maybe that's, that's why I don't remember it. Cause I just haven't seen. Yeah. And it has a uh, Kim Basinger in it. And uh, actually an actor from this movie, which we can mention later, uh, Russia house. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, thank you, Chris, for doing that research. So, yes, The Russia House, 1990. So that's going to be with Connery, Michelle Pfeiffer, and plenty of other great people. And then, I I mean, Chris, would you say that he kind of just played the same role for the 90s? Like, uh, So we're going to go through uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where he plays King Richard, the Lionheart. And I, you know, I, I really that. enjoyed that movie as, as, a, as a kid. Uh, Medicine Man, um, which you aren't familiar with, I brought it up before. Rising Sun, which is like a uh, a thriller set in Japan. This was back when everybody was scared of the Japanese. Uh, him and Wesley Snipes. Mm. I uh, unfortunately saw this, and uh, <laughs> um, and I was way too young to see this, by the way, because a woman is like strangled with a bag. Uh, thanks, mom. Um, <laughs> the next movie is Just Cause which I feel like was actually well-received at the time. I think Lawrence Fishburne, I, and honestly, I, I did not go to look at all the stuff for these. I was just going to run through it, but I think Lawrence Fishburne is in that maybe with him. Hmm. Uh, Chris, you can check that while, while I'm talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> First Night, oh, which I do remember, um, it was him, Jagir, and Julia Ormond. Not as good as Excalibur if you're going to do a... Uh, king arthur story but still way better than the clive owen king arthur mm. and then Dragonheart, which i did try and watch for the podcast and i remember liking it as a kid it is very laughable as an adult mm. he plays a great dragon yeah but yeah. it's just the wigs like david thewlis's wig was just i don't know and then and then there's classic bayhem of the rock Yes. Yes. 
I remember that being kind of a great period of just insanely stupid movies like Con Air, The Rock. Um, <laughs> and then, actually, I feel like this is like the last notable role that he... I mean, there's only two more roles, but this is... I remember this being really popular. I don't know if it was because of Catherine Zeta-Jones being super hot, and still is from what I saw from the Golden Globes, but <laughs> uh, Entrapment. But I just remember that being very popular at the time. Yeah, I never saw it. And then uh, he did Finding Forrester, uh, which I thought was a good movie. And then his last major role was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, one of your favorite movies, Chris. Yeah, uh, yeah another favorite of mine that I've never seen. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it was not great, but I feel like I've seen it probably more than once just because it was one of those that like Sci-Fi Channel would put on reruns. So you might accidentally watch it back in the day when you couldn't really control you know what you watched uh in the early 2000s yeah back in the dark times yeah so i would say in terms of his career i i do feel like probably the 80s was when he last kind of gave a shit even though he i mean he's still oh we're not supposed to curse on this but oh. when he last cared yeah. um but uh i mean he he was still a presence he still had that charm and the accents and you know, he's just a natural in front of the camera, I think. Yeah. Um, so, I, Chris, is there anything you want to add to that? No, to that I, rundown of, like, his latter career? Like, how your feelings on it? Yeah, I, I agree. Like, you know, there's some bright spots where he's in... He's, like, um, like the special guest star in some movies, right. like The Rock. But, you know, it's not like a... It's, like, fun that he's there, but it's not, like, an acting, like, tour de force or anything. It's not going to, yeah like, change your life. It's just, you know, it became uh, the, the, like, fun guy to have around on set, it seems like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's interesting that after his Bond films, he always had that mush, mustache or, like, a little bit of, you know, like, he he seemed to not want to go back to the clean-cut uh, Bond look. He, he liked looking a little... Yeah, a little rough at the edges uh i i i remember and have noticed and uh and we definitely see that in in this film so uh all right so that's that's enough of that yeah you know rest in peace uh sir sean it, i forget if he got knighted should have done the research there i think yeah. he probably refused it because he's such a scottish nationalist mm. and uh as i said like maybe we'll come yeah. back and do some of these other films yep. in the in the future definitely um, sir sean connery all right, thank you. Thank you, Chris. Your research is impeccable. <laughs> All right, so let's talk The Russia House. The Russia House. So, yeah. Doma so I... Russia. Chris, we're going to do all this in Russian. Привет, Chris. Uh, oh, no. For those that are just joining us, Chris and I first met in, Rush, in Russian class. Russian uh, back, language class, right? Yes, Russian language class back in the early 2000s when we were young, beautiful, fresh men at UNC. <laughs> men about town. <laughs> men about town at UNC. Yeah. I'm, I'm still young and fresh. I noticed from that haircut, uh, from the photo you sent. Yeah, yeah. Right? So youthful. Very youthful. Um, so Chris, all right, go ahead. Start off, start us off in Russian. Uh, yeah, well, maybe we can, um, record that later and then insert it in. Okay. Yeah. 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 I don't want we'll someone who will have someone dub it. I don't want to make you feel bad <laughs> with yeah, my amazing we'll, Russian language skills. We'll, we'll have someone dub it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So right. I, I, I didn't do as much, um, half-assed research on this particular movie as I did on the, the last couple do you so know you did full assed research? Yeah, yeah. Um so do you know about the director of this movie? Well, I just kind of didn't want to keep talking, but yes, I did all the research. So do you <laughs> want me to go through all this stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just uh get all it right. started. I'll right. you know, I'll I'll interject some more so you don't sure. your voice doesn't get tired. <laughs> you know, I feel like our audience probably wants my voice to get tired because I am what 80 90 percent of the yapping <laughs> so and, so, and, so this and you're 20 percent of the insights yeah or so 80 percent of the insights Whatever. 90 90 yeah. <laughs> okay. directed 90. by fred Ch Ch yeah see i mostly just wanted to make you pronounce that because I, I knew i'd butcher it we'll call him okay. fred from now on fred yeah fred. like the soccer player fred s 
Yeah. Based on a novel by John Le Carre. Is that right. how you're supposed to pronounce that? Le Carre? Le Carre? Hmm. Yeah. Or Something you can like just that. call him like John Cornwall or whatever his real name is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very interesting name. Uh, famous uh, spy novelist. Right. Now, did you... I, I know that you wanted to... You did not read before this. There's other movies that you're trying to finish reading the books before. Yeah, I'm trying like to... Ray. I'm trying to read all of his George Smiley novels. Right. Um, but this one does not take place in the George yes, Smiley is, universe. Yeah. As they, as you might yeah. say. And and at, at the end of this, I did want to get into filmed Le Carre um, novels. Yeah. Or novels that they've adapted for film. It could be an interesting deep dive series. Well, that's that's what I was going to bring up is that like you know I haven't seen some of these and and it could be um, uh, something that we do in the future for sure. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll talk about that later. Let's get back to Fred. Fred, yes. Mr. Fred, um, who looks like he had kind of a mixed career. There are some movies that I recognize and some that I definitely don't. Uh, Roxanne, which is the Steve Martin take on Cerno de Bergerac. Hmm one of your favorite films mr baseball with tom Selleck. you know i looked at this list of movies that he did and i have never seen any of these so you've never, never seen mr baseball i've never seen mr baseball tom Selleck goes to japan but i can't imagine that there could be a movie more different from this one than mr baseball tom Selleck goes to japan so it's someone going to a foreign country true true um fierce Accord. fierce creatures which was the not great sequel to a fish called wanda from this uh from this entry here on the wikipedia i would say that you are supposed to pronounce his name skepsy oh okay well I... you can pronounce it that way i will call him fred like all the right. soccer player all right so anyway Roxanne, good movie mr baseball never seen it i don't like baseball uh, but i do like tom Selleck uh fierce creatures i did see that in theaters i think there's a lot of weird stuff around like a meerkat or something like that and uh not as good as a fish called wanda which is a classic um <laughs> uh screenplay for this movie is by tom stoppard pretty famous dude yeah i was gonna say that's familiar i think he got an oscar for shakespeare in love depending on how you feel about the movie but he's renowned playwright screenplay writer and there's actually a new biography that's supposed to be very good uh, about him i'll put that in the show notes that just came out this year this is something chris could probably talk about a little bit more but jerry goldsmith is a composer oh yeah yeah mr mr goldsmith he's um i would say he's most famous for doing the the like famous star trek theme from the next generation and a lot of the movies with the original cast yeah uh not the not the original 60s theme the the one they played right the the motion picture and then in the next generation and he also did alien and yeah torah 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 lots actually lots of um he did a lot lots of movies he's a very yeah he's a very familiar you know i liked i liked the soundtrack uh in this or soundtrack composite i don't you know yeah because it's score the score because it also has um branford marsalis the famous jazz musician okay yeah um, yeah, and and Father I like how they Linton. integrate that. I always love when a movie kind of like um, kind of integrates something, you know, because the character that Connery plays does play like a jazz sax, and so it kind of plays off each other. But then it's also I, I feel like it does have some kind of Russian. I know it sounds silly, but kind of a Russian flavor kind of added to it as well. Like, does it? Yeah, yeah, and I actually because it's a goldsmith uh goldsmith movie and i i like goldsmith scores I, I did do a little bit of research on this and he was going for like a uh russia versus america sort of dichotomy there with the jazz representing america and then like the score that he he made being the more like russian side of things oh great yeah i i liked it and also i liked that it was very subtle and and i I felt well used um but yeah let's let's uh well okay one more thing um (laughs) that i i found interesting and i want to talk more about this uh when we get into it but this was one of only two american films that was filmed on location in the soviet union before collapse in 1991 the first film i don't know if we ever want to talk about it is a schwarzenegger jim belushi film called red heat 
<laughs> so this is probably the better of the two. Maybe. Um, and then, uh, and then also it was filmed on location in uh, Lisbon. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was actually the most uh, surprising thing to me. First, you know, the like first few scenes of this movie, it's like, wow, yeah. they actually really filmed this in Russia, like before, yeah. you know, before the fall of the Soviet Union. Because I don't know what what year exactly did it, did it uh, collapse? Ninety one. Ninety one. Okay. Yeah, so like you right would before. remember that from the Russian history class that we took with Coach. Uh, I mean, yeah. not that we were in the same class, but you also took a Russian history class. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I took a number of Russian history classes, but the dates were never my, my strong suit. Like, I knew right. it happened in the 90s, but 91, oh, 92. Well, you know dates weren't your strong suit in college. <laughs> uh, thanks, Jordan. Oh. Thanks, Jordan. Yeah, so that that's interesting, you know, that that they filmed it there. And that they let them film it there, given the subject matter. I know. If it came out in 1990, they probably filmed it 88, 89 and you know the things were opening up uh throughout eastern europe at the time and so i feel like obviously it probably had to come from the top down so i wonder if their interactions with gorbachev or his administration and and getting the permits and I, i i was really curious like how all that would have worked um if i had been more diligent about my research i probably could have found some uh articles talking about that but um you know, let's let's get into the movie, and then we could talk a little bit more about the filming on location. Let's first talk about Connery's great name. He's because he always gets a great name. Barley Scott Scott Blair, <laughs> uh, Mr. Blair Scott Blair. Yep, very good, yeah. very good. I like I like any guy named called uh, any guy called Barley. You gotta, yeah. which gotta I didn't even up. know was short for Bartholomew. You know, uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Michelle Pfeiffer plays Katya Orlova. Yes, Katya. Um, which is not that unique uh, since uh, most of the women I came across in Russia were Katya, Masha, Dasha. So mm-hmm. uh, no insults to them. Wonderful people. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's uh, pretty common. All right. we've, got, we've got Dante in there. Dante, which is like a pseudonym for... Um, Go ahead, Chris. Say it in Russian. Oh, man. I don't even remember his name. <laughs> don't in the worry movie. about it. Anyway, so, uh, so Chris, I want you to talk because I've been talking a lot. So ja- go ahead and give ja- us a little Yaakov Savelyev. Yes. Give Stante. us a little rundown of what happens. Uh, what happens in this movie? There's a lot that happens in this movie. It's, uh, well, then I mean, give it's us a, a rundown of the character. I don't know. It's a Jean, Jean Le Carre. Le, how are we supposed to pronounce that? Le Carre. Well, what, do we even need to do a summary? Go watch the movie. If you're listening to this and you haven't watched the movie, go watch. Well, the movie. okay. So Sean no, no, Connery. No, no. No, I'll, I'll give a I'll give a quick summary. So Sean Connery yeah. is a publisher of like Russian uh, books about Russia, but he's you know he's like from the UK, yeah. and he's a Russophile. He's like a Russophile, yeah. Yeah, and he's approached by a mysterious uh, man at a retreat in Russia. His name is as far as he knows is Dante and Dante likes uh likes what um Mr. Barley is saying about like peace and having to be sort of what would you say like kind of I mean in the movie they say heroic like, but it's almost like like uh reaching his hands across the aisle trying to you know international friendship and yeah, but but that that everybody is going to have to betray their country in some way to really like end oh, that, yes. nuclear yeah. war and or the threat of nuclear war and come to some kind of lasting peace. And so Dante hears this and he's like, "Oh, that sounds great." And he arranges for Katya to give Barley a manuscript which contains Katya like I think it's she is a former lover or current lover. I I couldn't quite. Yeah, they don't really. They don't really spell it out. They don't really spell that out. You're not. I guess you're not supposed to know necessarily. But yeah. she she's like a she's an editor at a at another publishing house in Russia, and she reaches out to Barley and's like, here's this manuscript, and it in the manuscript it basically outlines. I'm reading between the lines here in the movie that the Soviet Union's nuclear first strike and response capability is much lower than what they're saying in public, which would change the dynamics of 
like how much how many nuclear warheads you need yeah. and where you need all the the different missile missile silos and submarines and all that that kind of thing um and then british intelligence actually intercepts these manuscripts before they get to barley and they naturally turn to barley and like how did you get this like how are you or how were you going to get this like who yeah, sent how, it to how you? Are you involved yeah yeah and then the rest of the movie is basically barley is um working for the british intelligence to try to uncover who this dante guy is and whether or not the information he gave could be trusted right yeah i mean they're basically trying to run him as an agent and verify everything and then they um interact with our lovely cia and then (laughs) i guess in the midst of all this you know barley um falls in love with uh, katja and and it's reciprocated you know things become twisty and churning like in a lecure book yeah no no like action crazy like gunfights or chase chase scenes or i actually wanted to talk about that a little bit um well first of all chris did you like the film i did i have some minor complaints but i i did i did enjoy the film how about you i liked it as well i i am a sucker for these type of films um i liked that it was all just kind of it was just character work acting uh some great dialogue some great lines thank you tom stoppard uh (laughs) and and just um the foibles of humanity which i think is you know lake ray's like that's what he does he's not writing like action thrillers like what he does is you know puts a microscope on humans in this unique situation and kind of uh you know how they support each other how they betray each other and and all that and you know there's always like a a little bit of a mellow or at least in this there's a little bit of melancholia in the background of Mm -hmm. you know these these people on the edges of all this and and um but yeah you know both of us love mission impossible especially fallout yeah. and and like the the action spy thing but you know this is more the i guess you wouldn't want to call it or maybe george smiley would call it like the quote-unquote gentleman's game of it <laughs> yeah um, it's the cerebral version of all that yeah and yep. i i really like that i sadly couldn't see something like this being made at least for um for film like these days like uh as we've noticed recently like uh, Lake Ray stuff has been adapted to TV, um, but uh, I think that this just works as a really, really great, cohesive, uh, fun film. Kind of, kind of like you know, uh, Mammoth's uh, Twisty Turning films, but without, without as much uh, kind of. I don't want to say self indulgence or ego, but I think you might understand like what I'm trying to get at with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's less, it's less affected. Yeah, less affected, less less kind of self-satisfied with being smart, you know? Yeah, although that would be... So my complaints about this movie revolve around when it kind of, like, dips into that territory. Okay. Um, there's a couple scenes between the um, head of the, like, CIA operation, Russell. Like Roy Scheider. Yeah, and then... Uh, I'm going to blank on the name of the guy that's the MI6. Um, Ned? Ned, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple scenes between them where they're both like speaking kind of in code and yeah. it's almost it's just like they're being like too clever like no one would ever really talk like this, you know. <laughs> and it took me out well, of the yeah, movie cuz I'm like, like the, a, if they're in like a private situation like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like I understand like what happened because of their body language and mm-hmm. facial expressions, but based on the words they were speaking, like I didn't quite get what was going on and you know i, I wasn't like not paying attention yeah, I, to the movie or anything. i know exactly the part that you're talking about too so i guess it, it also stuck out for me i just didn't think about it like that yeah so th- there was that you know and i actually I actually did i liked the while i'm talking about complaints here i did really like the score mm-hmm. but i felt like by the end they were hammering the same like two or three themes over and over again and I was getting a little uh, uh, exhausted. Oh, come uh, from on. That. 
come on, it's the '90s. Like, remember Jurassic Park when they just kind of put that on loop and then, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's um, like it's good, but it's not. It wasn't like quite yeah. good enough to like play the same like thirty second clip over and over again. But yeah, minor minor complaints. I don't know if in this film they ever dropped the score out at, at certain points, but I feel like movies should do that more often. Like, you know, where they just let things happen because there's always like a tension once there's that silence. Uh, this movie is completely unrelated to uh, Russia House, but uh, I rewatched Conan the Barbarian recently, and in a very dramatic scene there, they, they cut out the bombastic score for a, a scene in which a character, you know, something dramatic happens and a character dies. And mm-hmm. I thought, I was like, yes, this is kind of a silly, dumb movie, but it was very effective. Uh, movies can benefit from that. Yeah. Even with a subtle score like this, but as you said, yeah, it, it did get to be a bit much as it went on, and yeah, and it's not again not that I didn't like the score. I just wish there had been a little bit more variation, like yeah, like thinking towards the sort of like penultimate scene of the movie where Sean Connery's walking towards the the, the um, building, the build, yeah, the Russian yeah. apartment building, and they're playing that sort of like spy theme and the yeah. jazz thing just like yeah. on a loop, and I was like this is too much <laughs> like you're doing this is going on for like four minutes of just hearing the same sound over and over again i need to stop this but uh up until then no props you pay attention to that type of stuff a lot more than i do in terms of the score like i i am so bad at remembering that stuff even though i, I do like you know someone's like hey who did this movie i'll just be like uh alexander desplat because that's usually the answer at least in the you know 2010s so right so we have to we have to mention the um the oliphant in the room which is 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 it actually tim oliphant no uh what did you think of michelle pfeiffer's accent i thought it was okay i actually thought that she was gonna be a much this sounds silly i thought she was gonna be a much bigger role in the film but she actually wasn't on screen i feel like that much even though she was a pivotal character I mean, this wasn't like a Judy Dench, Shakespeare in Love, 30-second Oscar-winning type thing. Huh. Because Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, people, there's a lot of articles coming out because she's in this new movie, French Exit. And so people have been, you know, doing some revisiting of her past work. And some of the articles that are like top 10, top 20 performances by Michelle Pfeiffer, this does not even make the list. So Yeah, she's not she's not in it all that much, but I thought, I thought she was good. And I, I was... Oh, yeah, little... for what she was doing, yeah. Yeah, I was concerned at first, like the first scene where they have her right. speaking. I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. But <laughs> I and I don't know. Obviously, like they don't film movies in yeah. order of what you see on screen. But it may be they filmed that one earlier and she got better at it. But and I don't know. Yeah, it, it didn't bother me as as much as I thought. I was I was surprised when she tried to pull it off. But but then I was like, eh, it's OK. You know, it's, it's probably better than mine. Yeah, I did see there were people complaining back uh, when this movie was released that she was like she was too pretty to be in the job that she was in <laughs> in russia and so like ruined oh the believability God. for that like, ah. well hey the 90s were a while ago so i guess you could say that back then um, yeah i you know one of the things i actually wanted to to, to hear your opinion on was whether or not this whole romance would would play at all these days like because sean connery's like much older than she is what do they call that a may or december romance uh sure i don't know i don't know i mean that gets into a whole lot of other stuff where i personally feel that if you're remaking it just stick with the story because i think it also does play a role in that is that barley is seen as this kind of drunken you know bachelor am i gonna say men about town again um but <laughs> That's us. you know he's yeah he's you know ragamuffin you know he's seen as this guy that's doing all that and then there's this relatively young not not that young divorcee yeah. with two kids that he decides to betray his country for i i, I think that you know just like in chekhov's a lady with a dog it's just the the old guy settling down and finding love type of trope yeah i i personally don't have any issues with anybody writing that or using that if there's gonna be backlash which there's backlash for everything now uh just um 
just on good on Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah. You can find Chris at Chris yeah. LTD. No, don't find me. Um, um, yeah, yeah. So speaking of that, I I don't know if it's if it's a little too early to go into this, but I you know I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Connery's performance since he's the he's the reason he for the, the subject, season. Yeah, it is here. not it is not too early. Um, you know we're we're coming up on time so okay i, I do have I some other notes i want to hit on so um maybe we could do this and then go back go back a little bit but whatever you want this is yeah, your show it's my show. show yeah so i i was re- very impressed with his um his performance in this movie i think it yes. might actually be after seeing this like my favorite performance of his that i've ever seen there is really yeah because there's a You've you've got that like Connery charm that we talked about before, where mm-hmm. you know he just like seems like he would be like a fun guy to hang out with, and you and they they play that up in the movie where even though he's kind of you know he's in these meetings with the uh, with the agents from MI6 and the CIA, and he's kind of giving them crap throughout the meetings, but they all like you can tell they all like love him because he's like so funny about it and so charming. Well, except about for it. except for the guy that picks him up in Lisbon that he calls Tubby. Yes. Who <laughs> <laughs> that guy plays the, uh, plays the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen in, um, the sci-fi version of, uh, Dune. He's like much larger person oh than that God. movie. That's, that's a deep cut. I know. I know. Anyway. Uh, so you, to, you got, of course you would recognize that. Of course I would. Right. <laughs> There's so there's so many like there's so many like famous faces in this movie. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, John, John uh, Ken, Mahoney, Ken Russell. Yeah, John Mahoney. Oh, and uh, yeah, I wanted to bring up. I mentioned this earlier. The guy who plays Dante is uh, Klaus Brandauer. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He played the villain Largo in Never Say Never Again. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. A few years later to be in the yeah. But um, I mean, who knows? Maybe Connery's like this guy's a great Russian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know if he's supposed to be Russian in that movie. Uh, but anyway, but yeah, John Mahoney's in this. Roy Scheider. I mean, you have the character actors of all character actors. Like, just some greats, just solid. Yeah, yeah. So, so Connery, you've got the you got the lovableness, but then you've also got there's like there's like real depth to it because you can tell like behind that like he's actually kind of broken and lonely you know like he's like he's clearly got a drinking problem um i mean i I think he comes out and says that he's basically lonely in the movie but it actually but it actually does like come out in his performance i think yeah and you can see like why you I, i don't know i think that the that is uh his falling in love with katya actually like comes across as like real and genuine in the movie yeah and I, I really like the scene where he tells her that. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Where she's in the kitchen doing stuff and just talking. And then just off screen, he's like, I love you. And you're like, did I hear that right? Yeah. And then yeah. you can kind of lean in and he repeats it. And I, I thought that was such a great, you know, it wasn't melodramatic. It was just straightforward. And um, I, I just, I think that's what I liked a lot about this movie too. is just the straightforwardness of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing is that you've, you've got this you've got him being like recruited to be like a spy and on the one hand he's like i don't want to do this right because he likes the he likes the russians he likes you know he he appreciates i think this dante guy like reached out to him and is like doing like the heroic thing by trying to make this uh this nuclear information free but then um you can tell he also kind of likes that he has something to do you know, that's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That yeah. He's like getting a little bit of enjoyment out of it, even though he knows he's not a professional. It's like, okay, well, I'm like in the later stages of my life. I'm like, what else exactly. am I going to do? Yeah. It's kind yeah. of like a, a last hurrah, I guess. And then of course the reason he keeps going back is for, for Kasha. Yeah. So like all those things together, I feel like a lot of layers to, to his character and it yeah. all actually, it all comes out. It, it was definitely not a one performance. It did add a lot of depth. You know, that bravado that he had on the outside covering up for insecurities and, and all this other stuff. And I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I would say, yeah, of the movies that we've seen, I would I would 
put this the highest. Bond, he's playing like a type, and I'm really glad that he got away from that type. Mm-hmm. I know that you love the Untouchables. I'm not the biggest fan of that, and I I would say that probably this role was better. Everybody's a caricature in the Untouchables. I know. Uh, yeah. yeah. But De Niro's out of his mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to get into that movie. Uh, yeah. We can talk about it. Yeah. But, but Connery, yeah, I think he, he really did do something like a, a twist. Not that different, but just enough. Yeah. And I'm sure at the time, like, it was probably... I wonder how many people went into this movie with the expectation that he was going to be more James Bondish, and then right, you know, it's like, like Sean Connery plays a spy, yeah, yeah, and uh, how many people were like disappointed in that? Because I don't think the critical reception at the time was like glowing for this yeah. movie. Uh, I but... wonder, yeah, and I wonder if he took the role just to, you know, because I, I feel like he was probably done with spy roles, but I wonder if he took it just because that this role did give him a lot to do and maybe to say about uh, this type of spy versus the uh, Bond um, version. Yeah, yeah, because in like I don't know, like the spy literature world, there is a sort of dichotomy between the like more cartoony like Bond. Yeah. Even though, like, the Bond novels aren't necessarily as, like, you know, crazy and full of hijinks as the movies are, they're still, like, they're still more, like, action-oriented and more, way more, like, quote-unquote unrealistic than the, like, smiley novels. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, getting to... Getting to do both sides of it is actually kind of a cool turn in his career. You know, for me, the only other notes um, that I have would be going back to the filming on location. I always love when films do stuff on location. I feel like it always looks better. It gives you a sense of place uh, that can be lacking in, you know, the green screen world. I was, you know, going back to, like, how did they get permission for this? Like, the amount of just kind of location shots, uh, establishing shots that they were able to show, you know, like the trams and the different buildings, like they were really able to just go around and film a lot of stuff in Moscow and a lot of stuff in St. Petersburg. Um, I'll say this, like the St. Petersburg scenes were really funny to me because, you know, I studied there in the summer of 2003 and uh, didn't look that different. (laughs) from, I mean, 1990 (laughs) to 2003, even though there was like a small revolt and a complete change of government and a lot of bad stuff happening in the 90s in Russia. Yeah. Uh, those buildings, they had gotten like a new paint job because they were celebrating the anniversary, but it was a really nice, warm, nostalgia trip for me. You know, the statue that's there outside the Hermitage and, and all those buildings. Like I remember walking along those canals and the river and it is as spectacular as they, as they show in, in the movie and, and just, um, amazing, amazing places there. Uh, I, I'd never got to Moscow, um, one day, but maybe we, can, Elizabeth, both, maybe we can both go. We can. I mean, you're Russian, so good. Um, and then Lisbon, you know, just fantastic city, beautiful city. Um, they shot that on location there, too. Uh, those streets are that steep, and those streetcars do somehow make it up and down them, as do people. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just wanted to give another shout-out for setting the place in these movies with, with shooting on location. Yeah, I uh, I was so... Oh, and that lake house. We could talk about that, too. Oh, yeah, the lake house. Where was that supposed to be? I am not sure, but it was beautiful. And, uh, you know, I don't really know how you can afford that on a government salary, but maybe it's just, you know, a place that they... <laughs> oh, and, you know, I do remember in Wikipedia, I think they said that was in, like, Vancouver or something, which know. it did look very Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and I like that whole scene, too. Like, like when they are when they were talking to him, uh, doing the... Uh, what do you call it? The lie detector... Oh, and, yeah. uh, and and like it, and anything they asked he like twisted it back on them or no it wasn't the lie detectors before that but it's like anytime they asked him a question he was twisting back like do you love america and it's like i love america but you know yeah and, and that was like one of those times when i'm like man we we don't really make smart movies like this anymore <laughs> yeah, well even the lie detector scene was pretty good it like, was yeah are you no, be, are whole, you being coerced yeah exactly <laughs> like... yeah are you inclusion with her and... yeah that was good stuff that was just really just smart writing great acting and uh and i just feel like you don't really see that so much anymore um and i and also liked how they had like you know the colonel or whoever you know rah 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 dude come in yeah and then they had john mahoney like smooth talking um afterwards you know trying different tacks to 
to get him to open up. Right, but then but then at the end, like when he leaves the meeting, he's like, "Oh, you got to cut this guy loose." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good cop, bad cop. Good stuff. Yeah. What, what did you What did you think of the the overall like? Uh, it's not like the moral of the story, but the sort of military industrial complex uh, message that the yeah that it was pushing. I think that's a very Blake Array thing to push because he does like to show how like, you know, even people with good intentions can be failed by a system that is against them. So both uh, Ned and Russell, so both the MI6 and the CIA guys had endless debates about like, okay, what, what should we do with this guy so that, you know, people don't get hurt or what should we do in terms of getting the intelligence or pursuing this? And then I think everybody is just tripped up by the politics of it, where it's like uh, probably on both sides. They're like, uh, yeah, we still want to look like things are good and that we're, our military can get money from the con- or the contractors can get money to keep <laughs> right. doing this stuff. Yeah. We, yeah. we still have to justify our jobs, you know? Yeah. Which that speaks volumes about, I mean, that hasn't changed, you know, 1990 to 2021. That hasn't changed. That's true. Yeah. I, the one thing I, I had a question about was, at the end of the movie, I know, spoiler alert, I know we've, we've gotten a lot of spoilers so far, but um, there's this there's this notion that I, I think Russell brings up that like we're kind of back to square one because the Russians have the, the list of questions about, you know, that we were going to give to Dante, but that they right, intercepted. The shopping list. Yeah. And we've got the manuscript that basically says that, you know, these particular things weren't true as far as um the russian nuclear capability goes but if they i don't understand why that's square one you know like Um, like i would think that you would have to assume if you were the americans and the british that what dante was telling you was true otherwise they wouldn't have killed him the russians wouldn't have killed him and so now you know that their capabilities aren't what they say they are but then on the other side, like because the Russians know know that you don't know everything, that doesn't really change the first thing I said. You know, we still we still know that like the American and British nuclear capability is way greater than yeah. the Russian capability. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I I have the book around here somewhere. I'd have to, you know, maybe I should read that and see what uh, the author has to say. Yeah, I I just thought it was a big deal because they got the shopping list which you know i know it had questions but i thought maybe it mentioned uh other people that maybe it was like dangerous but i, I don't think it was actually that since mm. they're all chummy afterwards i don't think it was that dire um i think it was just questions as you say yeah i you know it's all null and void because i mean that's the fun thing about this is that this was released in 1990 and everything went <laughs> and 91 <laughs> so yeah sort of Sort of, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> still a major problem with nuclear pro- proliferation. Yes, that that did not go away. That's that's a good question. What else do you have? We are coming up on. Yeah, no, I I, I hit all my points. I think uh, you know I, I did want to mention the the Russian uh, landscape shots that were quite beautiful. I, yeah. I actually spent some of the the night after watching the movie looking at um youtube videos of people that went okay. to st petersburg <laughs> nice uh, yeah it was like yeah. A, it looked it looked incredible and moscow also looked on incredible google too. on uh, on google maps uh you can pretty much do a street view of anywhere in russia too it's it's pretty open about that even though you know russia doesn't seem that way so yeah that's always fun to do is like what does this look like and just drop into some random place yeah i i actually i watched a interview with connery like after like either right before the movie had been released or okay. right after and yeah. he said that he actually he brought up the soundtrack as being one of the things that he really liked about the movie and he he thought it was funny that so many people that had seen the movie uh their first reaction was oh i really want to visit russia yeah yeah i think that says a lot about the average uh person as well um because, you know, it was closed off for so long and it was this mysterious entity. And, you know, in terms of visitors, uh, it definitely doesn't get as many as it should. Going back to the themes that he talked about and uh, the writer's colony that he went to and met Dante, 
you know, the more people that can come together, I'm not saying betray your country and sell nuclear codes, but the more people that can come together and understand the differences in their lives and cultures, probably the more that they'll see that they have in common as an average citizen. And then, you know, all these fools at the top of the chain, politics, military, whatever, are kind of going against uh, the best interest of, of the citizens. That'll be my political statement, I guess. Vote, vote Jordan 2024. I should have ran this year. Um, just one last thing I did mention at the top of the, the hour, but um, in terms of um, adaptations of Lake Ray films, I just want to see like how many of these you had actually seen. Zero. Um, oh, okay. Well, well, you can go through the list. Maybe there's some that I didn't realize. The spy who came in from the cold. Nope. Okay. You should really watch that or we'll, we'll do a We'll do a series on this. The looking glass war. Nope. Nope. Taylor of Panama? Nope. Okay. And then there's two recent ones that I haven't seen. I haven't, well, actually, I've only seen one of these as well. Spy came over for the gold. A Most Wanted Man, which was uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's last film. Hmm. Our Kind of Traitor. And then there's been two miniseries uh, The Night Manager, which I really liked with Tom Hiddleston. Also had beautiful, beautiful location scenery. Hmm. Um, highly recommend that. Hiddleston and Hugh Laurie. And then I haven't seen this one, but it's got uh, our our favorite Florence uh, from Midsommar. Oh uh, yeah, the little the little drummer girl. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so well, I have we'll, uh, we can revisit these. We can revisit some of this. So uh, you know, I have wanted to see Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh yeah, I didn't mention that because we had talked about that before. But yes, I haven't seen that either. Um, but and I I actually have seen the Constant Gardener. Why did that not end up on my list? Oh, because I was listing ones I hadn't seen. Yes, The Constant Gardener I have seen as well. Okay. I'd be okay with revisiting that too, but Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy, have not seen that, and I I really feel like I should. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on this first deep dive, and we will probably put out a teaser for the next one in the coming weeks, and also join us for the wastebasket after dark, um, where we just kind of BS around for a couple minutes. <laughs> That's right. That's All right, right, Chris. Let's see you later. Paka. It's it's 2021. There's nothing else to do.